0: You're invited to the Block Party. Here's your hosts, Ben Curtis and Kevin F. McNulty.
1: Welcome, everyone, inside the second episode of Block Party. He is Kevin McNulty. I'm Ben Curtis. This is the official women's volleyball podcast for WMUC Sports. Kevin, so good to be with you. A crazy week in Maryland athletics. We're going to talk about some Maryland volleyball here today.
0: Yeah, Maryland has been making headlines. Uh, for once we got football going on and hopefully soon we'll, we'll have volleyball again and we'll have even more to talk about
1: absolutely a spring season not too far away we're going to spend today talking a lot about the roster we're going to break down the roster specifically those who are returning from a year ago and those who will not be on the team in 2020 that were in 2019 and we will start off with the sophomore class Kevin Lexi Vanity Rebecca Rath and Kara Lewis and it was really Rebecca Rath who was the main impact freshman a year ago.
0: Yeah, she's the one we saw a lot of uh, on the outside. A lot of Maryland's offensive attack wa- was Pritchard on one side and Rath on the other. Um, she was one of the big playmakers last year for the Terps up there with Katie Myers, who has departed part of the team, and Pritchard made a lot of, of plays for the Terps, played in 100 uh, all three. 32 matches, and, and was a playmaker for the Terps in some of their, their best matches last year.
1: Had a season-high 21 kills, a career-high, I guess, as a freshman, 21 kills back in September of 2019 against Princeton. Really solid all the way through. And that was one of the big questions going into 2019 was, Liz Twilly was one of the main seniors in 2018 who departed. Who was going to take over that kind of secondary scoring role that Erica Pritchard Uh, was going to still have the primary role, of course, but who's going to be kind of the number two player to be able to add some offense. Rebecca Rebecca Rath really answered the call nicely. We'll see if she can do that once again in 2020. Lexi Farrity, more of a defensive player. Carrot Lewis uh, stepping into the middle block role. What kind of role do you see for both of them in a 2021 spring season now that the roster looks a little bit differently than it did
0: a year ago? Well, that's the thing. There's going to be a lot of turnover once the Terps are back on the court. We'll, we'll get to who has departed, but two key players, Allegra Rivas, the libero, and and Katie Myers transferring to Minnesota. So that presents an opportunity for players like Finnerty and Lewis to kind of come in and, you know, contribute to this team. And Lewis got in uh, a couple of times last season. Uh, when they had injuries to to Katie Myers and up the middle, they needed some help uh, in the middle blocking role. So that's where I expect maybe Lewis to get a little bit more time. uh, Now that Myers has departed a lot of the the blocking will be done by Raynell Jones and and Janet Gardner, but Lewis can contribute there as well. And then for Lexi Finnerty, she did play uh, a decent amount, 18 matches, 46 sets last season. And without Revis, I'd expect Sam Bergio to be in that main uh, uh, role as the Terps libero, but I wouldn't be surprised if Finnerty's in there for a couple of rotations uh, here and there.
1: And Rainel Jones is an interesting player. She's going into her junior season. You mentioned her a little while ago, and as a sophomore, she was a middle blocker in all 32 matches, and she was fourth on the team in kills. She provided quite a bit of offense. She was also, you could argue, the most efficient player on the Maryland volleyball team. She finished second in hitting percentage up and over 300 on the season, second on the team in blocks as well. And you mentioned Katie Myers won't be a part of the chirps going forward as we talked about in the first podcast as well. So a lot of the blocking is going to really fall on Rainelle Jones this year.
0: Yeah, Jones was one of those players that really impressed Adam Hughes last year. Kind of came into her own as a sophomore. And now she's going to be a leader for this team going forward. Now an upperclassman, probably, you know, the most pivotal player there on on the offensive attack besides Erica Pritchard for this upcoming season. Raynell Jones is a, a PG County native. Her family is usually the loudest uh, people in the stands. She has 10-plus family members at every game, and, and they are screaming for her. So that might look a little different, but Raynell Jones is going to be up there at the net. On, I would expect, barring any injuries, every rotation for the Terps.
1: And another player that you mentioned was Jada Gardner. She's an interesting player on this team because in 2018, she played the first 12 matches of the season, went down with an injury and had to take a red shirt. And she got in every match last year, uh, but she didn't really start all that. Uh, she started a, a decent enough game, a decent enough number of games, should I say, but wasn't really a factor in the way necessarily that Adam Hughes wanted. She was fifth on the team in kills. She was third on the team in blocks. But I think this is the year where Jada Gardner can kind of stake her claim on this team uh, as, as somebody who's going to be a focal, port, focal point on the offense and the defense event.
0: Yeah, she's going to be right there alongside Raynell Jones every step of the way. And last season, she was, she was a factor, um, but wasn't really a playmaker on offense for Maryland. I would expect that to change a little bit going forward. As you mentioned, the injury kind of set her back. A little bit and and last season was kind of you know staying on the floor w- was a victory for her um, but now without Katie Myers it's going to be different from Katie Gardner you know she's six six one, you know a, a, a big factor up there at the net um, and I would expect her to make more plays going forward.
1: And we saw kind of towards the end of the season that she had the potential to to make a big impact in that third to last game of the season the last home game of the season against Northwestern. 13 kills, nine blocks for Jada Gardner. That's the kind of production that Adam Hughes is really going to need going forward. So those are the sophomores and the juniors. Then we get to the senior class, and it is a big, big senior class. Five seniors on this Maryland team. Nicole Alford, Erica Pritchard, Haley Rubino, Samantha Bergio, Chloe Prejean. All five are going to be really important for Maryland this year.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and looking at that, that senior class, all five of them, it makes me think about how important this year is for recruiting for, mm-hmm. for Adam Hughes. He's going to have to bring in a lot of new players and they're going to have some big shoes to fill, especially with Erica Pritchard and Nicole Alford have been there each of the last three seasons contributing to this team. And, you know, this 2020 year, the the freshmen uh, that we'll talk about in a later episode, they are are, are expected to be some key contributors to this team right away and so adam hughes has got a big job to do with the senior class but i would expect um this class including pritchard and and offered to do what they've done the past three years and that's that's put up some pretty big numbers uh especially pritchard um there's not uh there's a lot to say about erica pritchard
1: yeah, and uh, we'll certainly say all of it, I'm sure, or at least a good chunk of it over the course of the next couple months on this podcast. We talked to Nicole Alford for this podcast. We'll have that interview for you in a little bit. Uh, but this seems to be the, if not the changing of the guard, then the closing of one window and the opening up of another uh, this 2020 or 20, into 2021 spring season, I suppose you could say, with Nicole Alford on her way out, Erica Pritchard on her way out, Bergio on her way out, and kind of the ushering of, in of this new. Impressive freshman class, uh, just in terms of recruiting rankings, uh, but, but definitely a, a changing of the guard, if you will, this year. And it's strange that this is the year to do it, because obviously this year is going to look different than any other year. Uh, but it's a chance, at least for Maryland, to capitalize on this opportunity. And when you have as big of a senior class as you do, uh, that, uh, that this Maryland team does with five seniors, and we talked to Nicole Alford about it, in the Big Ten, that goes a long way.
0: Yeah, they're going to need the seniors to be leaders. And we talked about that with Nicole. Um, They are going to get a lot of playing time for the Terps once they're back on the floor and and playing these, you know, powerhouse big 10 teams in Minnesota, Wisconsin, Penn state, these seniors are are, going to have to be leaders. And that's what Nicole talked about. And all five of them, even if it's Chloe Prajean and Haley Rubino, who may not get as much time out on the floor, they're going to have to be, you know, showing the ropes to some of the younger players, especially Prajon, the, the setter. They're alongside Alfred, uh, sometimes last year when they were in a 6-2 uh, formation. They're, they're going to be leaders no matter how they contribute to the team.
1: And so now we go from the players who are returning from 19 to 2020 to the players who didn't. And there's some really big names and we've talked about a couple of them. We'll get to all of them though. The big one, definitely Katie Myers, the transfer from Maryland to Minnesota as a graduate student, big, big loss right in the middle of the floor.
0: Yeah, and we discussed this in episode one. That was a tumultuous time everywhere, uh, obviously in the world in March when she decided that she was gonna transfer the beginning of March. And then had to t- take about a month uh, when everything shut down to make a decision on where she was going. And she's staying in the Big Ten. And that decision was made in large part for her major. She graduated in, in the spring but had two years left of eligibility. Um, so she's going to be a grad student uh, in sport management at the University of Minnesota. And she's going to be on the volleyball team for two more years um, so that's a big loss uh, for Maryland, some unfortunate circumstances that maybe presented themselves uh, for Katie Myers, and Adam Hughes talked about that. And we talked about the players that are, are going to fill her role, and that's Jada Gardner and Raynell Jones are really going to have to step up to replace Katie Myers.
1: And the Terps also lost three players to graduation, Nell Drummie, Taylor Smith, and Samantha Snyder, but two losses that are really going to sting, both coming for personal reasons, according to a team spokesperson. Uh, Emma Schreiner and Allegra Rivas. And Rivas was the libero for the majority, if not all, of the 2019 season. And that's a loss that's really, really going to sting for Maryland.
0: Yeah, this was news that that shocked us because it, it obviously wasn't publicized um, because these were personal decisions that they made over the offseason that they are not going to be returning to the team. That's Emma Schreiner and Allegra Rivas. They're still enrolled in classes, according to a team spokesperson, here at maryland so you know they're they're around but they're they're not gonna be on the team and you mentioned rivas uh she did everything uh you know in the back backcourt for for maryland volleyball and she's going to be a huge loss that said one of those seniors that we talked about is probably going to be the main libero and that's san bergio and it's going to be tough uh to play up to the caliber that allegra rivas did
1: and it, it's interesting with Bergio because Bergio was, was recruited before Adam Hughes was the head coach. He was still with Maryland, and she was a, a top player. She was the 2015 New York Player of the Year. She was a second-team All-American. She clearly has a lot of talent, and Rivas kind of came in and took that libero job. But Bergio, definitely somebody who is, who is capable. Uh, and It's kind of interesting to see. You know, you, you get a great wave of recruits like Maryland does this year. They kind of file into roles over the next couple years as as they kind of fit into a team. And then maybe in their junior or senior season, something happens and a job opens up and all that talent that you brought in as a freshman uh, now gets to show as a junior or senior.
0: Yeah, the situation with Bergio makes me think about Taylor Smith last year was a senior. Didn't get a lot of playing time her first three years with the program, but she was a setter. Nicole Alford went down. Sam Snyder came in, and they were trying to run a 6-2, and they needed some help, and Taylor Smith was there. She was one of those players that could step in at the drop of a hat, and Adam Hughes gave her a lot of credit for, you know, how she performed in practice and how she was always ready to go wherever Maryland needed her, and she ended up playing in 35 sets and coming up with, with 85 assists in times when, you know, Maryland might not have been competing in the Big Ten whatsoever if it wasn't for a player like Taylor Smith. So I would expect that from Sam Bergio in a different position, obviously playing libero this year, where she's going to have to step in, even though she hasn't really been, you know, one of the key players for Maryland in the past. But things change.
1: Yeah, and players will have to adapt and certainly already have had to adapt to what is uh, one of the most unpredictable and unprecedented seasons in college volleyball history. You invoked Nicole Alford. We were able to sit down and have a conversation with her over Zoom. We should say before we throw it to this interview, we are launching this podcast in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, Things happen on Zoom. We interviewed Nicole over Zoom. Kevin and I are launching this podcast over Zoom. We are in different locations and everyone who's used Zoom at one point or another knows sometimes things happen, sometimes things go wrong. We had a brief issue with Nicole towards the beginning of our interview, but we were still able to have what I thought was a really engaging and important conversation with her. So just keep that in mind as you uh, as you listen to the interview and bear with us a little bit. But here was our interview with Maryland senior setter, Nicole Alford.
0: All right, we now welcome on the setter, senior Nicole Alford. Thanks for coming on Block Party.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me, guys.
0: And it's been quite a while since we spoke. There's been a pandemic going on, among other things. How were your spring and summer? Were you in College Park? What was going on before you guys started regular practices again?
2: So, before we started regular practices during the pandemic, I was at home. Um, You know, we actually moved, so that was exciting. Um, We moved a little bit further south than where we live now. And, like you guys know, I'm from Maryland, so it was nice to be, you know, still around the area. Um, And then, come July, we got to come back and we didn't get to do full team practices but we did get to do small individual practices. So I was you know, in a group with about three other girls, and um, that was really nice to at least be together for a little bit of time. We moved back into campus, I would say, about five weeks after that. So it was definitely a long process, but, um, you know, we're glad that we went through it over the summer because it allowed us to move
1: We might have lost you for one second, Nicole, but uh, I think you're back. Um, so obviously, this is the first time in college ball that you have the fall to train and then you're playing in the spring instead of vice versa. Uh, how does that? How is that working for you guys so far? How is the process of preparing for a season change, knowing that your seasons are flipped?
2: It's definitely changed because different. It's we're in the fall and we're normal, pretty much similar. It's about the same. We are still doing the exact same things that we would do in the spring. We're just doing it in the fall. So it's actually been nice to have this time to train and um, get reacclimated to playing volleyball and team practice. You know, we didn't really have that over the pandemic. So it was nice.
1: And you, you had a difficult 2019, a frustrating 2019, I guess, struggling with injuries, missing the front part of the season, and then you were in and out of the lineup uh, the rest of the way in 2019. First of all, how do you feel now? How's the foot now? And can you describe the process of, trying to battle back from those kind of nagging injuries last year.
2: Yeah, that was definitely frustrating. Um, Really wasn't the season that I expected to have. Um, But I'm grateful that I went through it. I think it really taught me a lot. Um, And it definitely opened my eyes to the importance of recovery and taking care of my body. Um, I've really focused when I'm in the weight room. And I've done a lot of rehab with Melissa to get my body strong, to prevent any injuries like that from ever happening again. So I really feel better than I ever have before. Um, and I'm really thankful to have Greg and Melissa, who have been pushing me to make sure that I'm as strong and as stable as I possibly can be. So I'm feeling really good, and I'm really excited to start this fall season off. Well, fall to the spring.
0: <laughs> yeah, and last year, your season high in assists came at Indiana when you had 50 of them. That was the first time you guys went back into a 5-1 formation last season, and you were in a 6-2 some of the time, you and Sam Snyder. How do you think the offensive attack changes between those two formations and, and which maybe do you prefer?
2: Um, I think it changes because, well, you know, when you're in a 5-1, you have more setters. So as one setter and then you have the ability to have, you know, five other attackers, which is nice. It gives you a little bit more flexibility. Um, and, you know, in the Big Ten, it's really – it's a, a very challenging conference, and we've got some big girls up there blocking. So I think it gives us some advantages. But the 6-2 also has its own advantages. You get a little bit more, um, a little bit more power in the, in the front row. You can have two right sides up there, which can be helpful for blocking. So um, I mean, they each have their advantages and disadvantages. I think that it was nice to be back in the 5-1. It's something that I'm a little bit more comfortable, and it's more natural for me. It's what I've always done. Um, and it was just nice to be able to fully play again and just be fully healthy because that's when I think I reached my peak healthiness. So I think that was really more exciting than even going back to the 5-1, just being fully healthy again.
0: Do you think you guys will be in a 5-1 uh, this upcoming season? you have any idea what that that's going to look like?
2: Um, uh, you know, that's a hard question to ask. I don't think that we're really thinking that far ahead right now. We're not thinking about, you know, what's our lineup looking like I think we're still all working individually to get better and, you know, working on our team chemistry as a whole. So I don't think that we're looking that far ahead yet. I think we're just enjoying the process of getting better, you know, using this as a spring. So, um, you know, I don't have that answer for you yet.
1: You're one of five seniors on this uh, team now and in a season that's obviously going to be different than any other, just moving to the spring, all the COVID protocols. Uh, that you're going to have to undertake in the fall training and also in the spring when you eventually do get to play. How important is that veteran leadership going to be, not just from the coaching staff, but but from the players as well?
2: I think it's extremely important. Um, This is a really tough time Um, mentally, physically. I mean, for the entire country, we're going through a lot. We have a pandemic. There's a social justice movement. Um, I think that this has been really hard. And, you know, we're in online classes as well. So it's really hard, especially, you know, coming in new to college when this is all that you've been exposed to and you really are on your own schedule and um, you have to be really on top of your online classes. So I think it's important to have such a big senior class that can set the example and can help the younger players in h- how to navigate this type of season. Um, you know, we've been through it before and we've done, we've done the college season before. So we know what it can be as well, which is also good to you know keep the hope going that this isn't gonna last forever. And, you know, that our younger girls, our freshmen, are going to have the season that they thought they would have this year. You know, it is going to come. So I think it's good not only in just setting a good example, but also keeping up the hope and showing them what it can be.
0: More on your leadership this season. You've traded Sam Snyder. She's graduated. And you have a newcomer, freshman, Sydney Dollar, who's going to be setting with you. How is Sydney different from Snyder? And how have you guys been been meshing in this preseason?
2: Yeah, um, Sid's great. I really enjoy having her in the gym. Um, She's definitely very competitive. You know, she's talented. um, And I really, really enjoy working with her. Chloe and I um, and Sid, all three of us setters have a really good dynamic. And I think we push each other really well. You know, each day we're pushing each other to get better. But um, we're also very, we're very close and we're very supportive of each other which is great. And it's nice to have that healthy competitiveness in a gym. I think that that's very important. If you're not competitive, you know, you're not making each other better, but if you're not supportive, then that's not conducive to the team. So I think we struck a really good balance. Um, and I think that Sid's a great addition to the program. Um, and I think that she definitely makes us better. So it's been really fun having her around and I really enjoy um, getting to have her in the center group with us.
0: All right, Nicole, back in healthy for this upcoming season. Thank you for coming on Block Party.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Looking forward to the season.
1: And that was our conversation with Nicole. Kevin, some really interesting points. I thought that the first big point that she talked about was, as we already said, the huge senior class and in a time unlike any other in 2020 and extending into 2021, just how important senior leadership is going to be from the players. Yes, you're going to get the leadership from the coaching staff, and we mentioned in episode one a little bit of a turnover in that role with the assistant coach, Kyle Thompson, Uh, coming into that interim assistant coach role, but player leadership can't be understated.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And from covering the team last year, Nicole was a junior and um, Erica Pritchard was a junior. Now they're they're seniors this upcoming year. And a big difference is between those two players specifically, Erica Pritchard comes in, she gets her work done, and she puts up the big numbers with kills uh, on the offensive attack. Maryland but she might not be as vocal as Nicole Alford is Uh, she's a setter she's you know Adam Hughes describes her as as the quarterback of of the offense they're you know setting things up for Pritchard on the outside and also in the locker room she's very vocal so you know if Maryland's to hit a rough patch during the season she's a player that younger younger teammates are going to look to
1: and they're going to look to the senior leadership. The younger players are not only on the court, but also off the court. She mentioned, uh, Nicole did, just how tough it is to be a student-athlete right now. Online classes, you and I know, are certainly a challenge. We're navigating it just as much as everyone else. And, you know, we, yes, we can talk here and we can sit here and talk about kills per set and who's going to be the libero and who's going to get this many assists and who's going to get this many service aces. But you have to remember, these are, these are real student-athletes struggling with a global pandemic, struggling with a social justice movement, struggling with the life of being a college student in a time that is truly unprecedented in American history, at least for the past hundred years, that's going to play a factor. And that's part of why we've been talking all episode about how important it is to have as many seniors on this Maryland team, as many leaders on this Maryland team as they do.
0: You're spot on, Ben. I mean, it's true that we've seen sports take, a back seat to a lot of other things in life. We didn't have sports for a couple months this year because we had other things to deal with. And athletes might be, you know, back in the gym might be back at practice, but outside of that, a lot of things are still not normal. And, you know, you have two Maryland players that aren't going to be on the team this year for personal reasons, because there's other things that players have to deal with. And as I've been talking to players um, across Maryland Athletics this fall over Zoom. Uh, obviously, that's how we've done all of our communication with athletes. I, I'm asking, you know, what are your routines and how are they different from from what you're used to? Obviously, football is the only uh, sport that is on the field playing games uh, against other Big Ten teams. But these athletes are just like us, you know, experience something they're not used to at all. And, you know, online classes and they have, different times of day where they're going in to, to get treatments and going in for practice and it varies a lot. And, and it's obviously a lot different because they're wearing masks, they're, they're distancing as much as they can. Um, And that, that interview was a perfect summary of that. Nicole offered, you know, running from, from practice to medical treatment to, you know, picking up one of her teammates and it's, it's different. Difficult, and it's it's still going to be difficult for the athletes once they start playing again in the spring.
1: And yet, on the other hand, part of why we wanted to do this podcast was so that we can talk about sports, so that we could talk about Maryland volleyball. And you got into an interesting conversation or an interesting part of a conversation uh, with Nicole about the formation that was run last year and the formation that's going to be run this year. Perhaps trying to decide whether to go with the five-one or the six-two, Kevin. It's going to be a difficult decision. And it's really going to depend. On the personnel that Maryland has at the time.
0: Yeah, this is something that, that you know was talked about a lot last season because Al- Alford was out, and you know they were bouncing back and forth uh, between the five one, the six two, and Adam Hughes admits he's a volleyball nerd, so he he loved talking about you know the the different rotations that they use. But the big difference was when they were in a five one, which they ran all of twenty eighteen when they were above five hundred, just missed out on the NCAA tournament. Alford was their one setter and she was setting everything for the Terps in 2018. And when she came back from injury last year, she wasn't able to do that uh, quite like she was in 2018. So they stayed in the six two with Sam Snyder and things looked a little different, but from my point of view, I think Maryland's offensive attack runs better when Nicole Alford is healthy and she's the one setting up Erica Pritchard and last year is Katie Myers. But now Maybe Raynell Jones, uh, for the kill. I would expect, if you want, not so much a bold prediction, but a prediction in in general, For me, they're going to be in a five-one, and Nicole Alford is going to be running the offense for Maryland.
1: Yeah, I would have to agree with you there. And uh, Alfred sounded like she was healthy. It was good to hear that she said that she was healthy, and we definitely thank her uh, for taking the time to to chat with us. Uh, interesting thing that Maryland has done recently. Uh, over the past couple of days, they have transformed the pavilion. Xfinity Center Pavilion into an early voting center. Uh, Katie Manginelli uh, over at the Diamondback had a fantastic article uh, going a little bit deeper into that. It's a really cool thing that Adam Hughes did. He was uh, really, really excited about wanting to do that, according to the article uh, over in the DBK, and it's something that Maryland has been trying to push uh, through their Terp Vote campaign all across their uh, student-athlete platforms and all across their platforms in general. It's a really cool thing to be able to participate in that. Adam Hughes even said that he voted himself uh, at the pavilion. That's not something that a whole lot of college coaches can say that they voted in their own gym. So certainly a cool thing to to see from Maryland volleyball and something we definitely want to highlight.
0: Yeah, really, really cool. And it's been publicized across Maryland athletics, you know, getting their student athletes registered to vote, getting people in Prince George's County to go out and vote and to make it easier for them to vote. And that's why they turned the Xfinity center into a polling place I know we, we saw that picture with with Katie's article about you know voting with all, all the uh, the ballots across the Xfinity Center Pavilion. And it was really cool to see that because a year ago that's probably something we we don't expect to see. You know, there, there's been such a huge movement, and Maryland athletes are are right at the front of it because they know they have a voice, and a lot of volleyball players know that as well. And and Adam Hughes is. You know one of those coaches that likes to listen to his players so if they want him to vote at the Xfinity Center he's, he's going to do it and I enjoyed really enjoyed seeing that
1: yeah leading by example Adam was definitely really cool I uh, think that Marilyn did and, and a great job by Katie there in her article as well wanted to highlight that uh, getting to our trivia question from last week we asked uh, who is first all-time in Maryland volleyball kills? The answer, Carrie Brennan, 1,585 total kills in the late 90s and early 2000s. The reason we wanted to ask that is because Erica Pritchard is seventh right now with 1,241. She is 344 kills away from Carrie Brennan's record in first place. Last year, she had 417 kills who knows if she'll be able to rack up that many in what will be a shortened season with no out-of-conference play uh, in a spring 2021 season. But that's going to be a big storyline, Kevin. We're going to see Erica Pritchard's number continue to go up and up that all-time kills record. And it'll be a lot of fun to watch her do that.
0: Yeah, I mean, Erica Pritchard's been slamming volleyball uh, on the other side of the net since she was a freshman. and That's what she does. She she comes up and and she, she attacks the ball and, and gets kills. She may you know not get to that that mark set by Carrie Brennan, who we should find and re- reach out to to get on the show um just just thought of that no, um, i agree if if pritchard is is around that number uh in the spring um but she might not be able to get there uh once we see a, a schedule, maybe they're only you know playing twelve matches might not be enough for Erica Pritchard to, to set that record, but she seemed poised to break easily a couple years ago
1: yeah she's definitely on pace too but we'll have to see what a spring 2021 schedule looks like and how many opportunities Pritchard will have to to make some Maryland volleyball history this week's trivia question when was the last time that Maryland defeated a top 25 team when was the last time that Maryland defeated a top 25 team you can tweet us your answer at WMUC sports you can dm us your answer on Twitter at WMUC sports. As always, the rule is no looking it up. No using Go- Google, no using Bing, no using umterps.com. You might not think that we know, and we might not know, but you will know and it will haunt you forever. And once again, Kevin, tell them what their prize is.
0: Hey, if you get this trivia question, right. I know I'll, I'll be calling the November uh, 14th true, you will be. football game. Uh, here in College Park against Ohio State, you're getting a shout out on air when when we're live calling the Ohio State football game, and then all, also, what else do they they maybe get a little shout out on the podcast? As well.
1: Oh yeah, they'll they'll definitely get a shout out on the podcast if they if they get this one right. But a shout out on the Ohio State football broadcast that's a that's a pretty enticing prize.
0: Like it? Well, you know, you never know now with Maryland football, but I have a hunch that there might be you know some some free time during that game. That, that we can talk about volleyball very briefly. I mean, Matt Levine, w- when we're on the call, a couple weeks Maybe in the halftime
1: report too, who knows? <laughs> yeah,
0: we'll see. At we'll the little, very least. Do a little game break, talk about Maryland volleyball. And this question, I think, is a little easier than... Yeah, than
1: one I, I, I kind of recalibrated because uh, I wanted to yeah. talk about Erica uh, and how close that she is to this all-time record, but uh, I, think, I think you're right. I think this question might be a little bit more manageable. So, once again, you can tweet us at WMUC Sports. You can DM us on Twitter or Instagram at WMUC Sports with what you think the answer is. Kevin, this podcast was a whole lot of fun. We got to a lot of different topics, looked back on the players who were coming back from 2019 to 2020, the players who weren't. We talked to Nicole Alford, had a great conversation with her, got a lot done on this podcast, uh, and certainly excited for what's to come.
0: Yeah, there's a whole lot to break down. And even though they're The Terps are are not on the court right now. There's going to be more to talk about even before we get to a season. So this was a lot of fun, and we're going to have a lot more to talk about in the future and some pretty cool guests we're talking about bringing on.
1: Oh, absolutely. We're into the month of November. Volleyball creeping ever and ever closer, and we will be with you every step of the way until we get to a first serve, hopefully come January or soon after he's Kevin McNulty. I'm Ben Curtis. This has been episode number two of Block Party. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next time.